Now, we did invite both Bill Graham and Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson here for a debate today. Uh, Robinson did not respond to multiple attempts to, to be contacted, and Bill Graham said he would only debate if everybody was debating today. Why do you think it is that they refuse to debate? Well, this is natural for Mark Robinson because uh, he showed up for only 10% of the Senate sessions last year. So it's just a continuation of his fleecing uh, of the taxpayers uh, and by just not showing up for his current job. So if you don't show up for your current job, why would you even show up for a job interview? Uh, I was in Franklin, North Carolina, hundreds of miles from here this weekend. They were having a gubernatorial debate. He was in the same building at the same time and still refused to debate. And I think he doesn't want to ask the tough questions about things he's actually done and things he's actually said. And But I'm here today because I'm the first one to announce for governor, I'm the first one to file for governor, and I'm the first name on the ballot. Treasurer Falwell, I think a lot of people were a little surprised when you announced the candidacy for governor because you seem to revel in the job of being a state treasurer, keeper of the public purse, as you always call it. And there were those who thought that you might be another Harlan Boyle, someone who wanted to stay in that job for many, many years. Uh, it's been an honor to be the keeper of the public purse. I'm the first uh, Republican elected treasurer since President Ulysses S. Grant. And Every positive thing I've ever said uh, as the state treasurer, I need for your listeners to know that I'm standing on the shoulders of a lot of hardworking state employees uh, who've put me in a position to brag on some of these accomplishments. Uh, re <coughs> retiring 60% of the state debt over an eight-year period of time. The corporate income tax is being eliminated. Uh, personal income tax has fallen in half, so the NC lapel pin that I normally wear stands for nothing compares. In answer to your question, uh, at 65, I have the energy of a teenager. I said that in Boone the other day, and this lady came up and said, my teenager doesn't have any energy at all. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but there's still a lot to fix. And uh, I, as the next governor of North Carolina, I'm going to restore the Republican Party to what it was when I joined it nearly 50 years ago. Uh, co conservatism, which means to save, a verb. Common sense, not so common. Courtesy, which means answering the telephones. Humility, uh, humanity, and ethics. And ethics is what you do when no one's watching. So your listeners know that there's a need for more customer service at the state government. So this is DMV, DOT, Board of Elections, Foster Care, DHHS, Mental Health. These are all cabinet-level positions uh, that re report to the governor of North Carolina. And in the last two elections, uh, I'm not the Trump-endorsed candidate, but I got more votes than Donald Trump did twice and so my ballot strength is very strong in the general election would you be running for governor for the republican nomination if mark robinson were not uh, is part of your reason for running to keep mark robinson a, a man that you've described as not worthy to be lieutenant go uh, to be governor is that part of your reason for running uh no uh when you grow up the way that i did uh you don't pull other people off their ladder because when you're poor, uh, when you pull someone else off their ladder, they will land on you and the world will never know you existed. I'm here for a job interview this morning uh, to talk about qualifications to actually govern the state. Uh, these are verbs. The root word of governor is to govern. But at the end of the day, um, I think that, as I said earlier, God gave me the vision to see what needs to be seen. And as a Quaker, once you see something, you can't unsee it. The humility to listen and what that should mean to your listeners is 
Listen to understand what somebody's saying, not to react. I mean, our country's a mess right now in terms of the discourse. We have conflict entrepreneurs making hundreds of millions and billions of dollars on keeping this country divided. And as I say all across the state, the next governor is going to have to deal with this basic fact. The State of the Union is in peril. And that's not emotional or political because both political parties are responsible for this peril. It's financial because of the national debt. And the next governor of North Carolina is going to have to understand mathematically how to protect our society and our way of life uh, here in North Carolina, and I'm uniquely prepared to do that. What do you think, outside of what you mentioned, what are some of the other biggest <clears throat> problems in our state that you'd like to fix if you're elected governor? Well, number one is customer service, because as a former motorcycle mechanic, if you don't, that's what we do. We listen. And if you can't answer your phone from a constituent, you don't know what the problem is. And if you don't know what the problem is, you can't fix it. Chances are if somebody's actually gotten through to a person in state government, they may represent dozens, hundreds, maybe thousands of people who are having the same issue. So number one is customer service. Number two is to understand that we are a border state and we have to protect our border when the federal government uh, will not do that. And I will tell your listeners that any penny uh, that I would authorize through our National Guard to protect our border, whether it's in coordination with Governor Abbott of Texas or here in North Carolina, I'll be sending the federal government a bill for them not doing their job. Energy independence. One of the biggest travesties over the last 10 years is that we are not getting low-cost natural gas to eastern North Carolina. Governor, Former Governor Jim Martins endorsed me. Uh, he got elected, I think, by saying, if you elect me, we'll get I-40 to Wilmington. And I'm telling your listeners that we will get low-cost natural gas to eastern North Carolina. And finally, and not least important, is education. We have to get rid of the bigotry of low expectations among our youth. Uh, I believe that God made every single person possibly better at something than anyone else in the world. And it's our responsibility to find out what that is. I suffered through that. I inquired about an AP course in the 11th grade, and my guidance counselor said I'd be better suited to bag groceries at the A&P grocery store. Some of your listeners will remember what that was like. I said, why is that? And she said, well, your performance. And I said, is there any other reason? She said, your IQ. And I said, what's my IQ? And she said, it's 108. And I'd never made 100 on anything. <laughs> I'm wondering where I got the, I'm wondering where I got the eight credit points. Uh, I now know that 108 IQ is not so not so great. But my point is is that uh, I'm not the most hateful. I'm not the most rageful. I'm not the richest. I'm not the tallest person running for governor. But I'm the one who can actually govern and explain conservatism without offending people and attack problems, not people. You said during your campaign, uh, Mr. Treasurer, that you want parents to be parents. What did mm -hmm. you mean by that? What I mean by that is that uh, what COVID did is it put sunshine on what parents thought were, was or was not happening in public schools. And we have laws on the books, a new Parents' Bill of Rights that was just passed. We have counties across North Carolina who are saying we're not going to implement that. But number one, let parents be parents. Uh, good government starts at home. And if good government starts at home, we need to make sure that we give parents the educational opportunities uh, that they need. I will say, in addition to that, whatever education opportunity that they choose, that when there's taxpayer money involved, every single P 
penny of that has to be held to the same account with the same level of transparency. That's what I meant when I said let parents be parents. A few minutes ago, you mentioned uh, former Governor Jim Martin, mm-hmm. and there have only been uh, three Republican uh, governors, unless you go way back to Daniel Russell at the turn of the previous century. But Jim Holzhauser and Jim Martin and Pat McCrory, mm-hmm. would any one of these men serve as sort of a model for the way a Falwell administration would operate? Well, all of them. Uh, I got where I'm in life by knowing what I don't know and standing on the shoulders of so many people that I've already mentioned to your listeners uh, uh, just the hardworking state employees. Uh, Governor Martin has endorsed me. Uh, Governor Holzhauser did endorse me uh, when I ran for treasurer uh, uh, when he was living. And I just want to mention Governor Martin always says doing right's rarely wrong. But I'm going to add a Falwellism to this. I don't mind being wrong for the right reasons. When you are the CEO of the biggest business in the state, which is what the governor's responsibility is, if you look at the Constitution, mistakes are going to happen. And we're going to, be, we're going to disclose them. We're going to be transparent about it. But more importantly, we're going to be humble that you know, sometimes being wrong for the right reasons is quite okay. So I'm, I'm standing on all of their shoulders. But you know, with the challenges facing North Carolina, not financial because the financial balance sheet of North Carolina is in fantastic shape, but with some of the other challenges facing North Carolina, it's going to take Governor Martin and all former governors uh, to help. Uh, as a legislator in the minority party, got 21 major pieces of legislation passed with no vetoes, and those were all signed by Governor Easley and Governor Purdue. Uh, no one has a monopoly on any all the good ideas, and I will go any place, any time, like I'm sitting here this morning, to get the right answer so that it, we can advocate for the invisible of this state. The invisible of North Carolina are the people that don't have enough money to have political connections, and unfortunately I have to say that to your listeners. They work one and two jobs, they pay their taxes, they pray for a better outcome. I've always advocated for the invisible because for a third of my life that's what I was. Well, you mentioned the fact that you had been a legislator, so you have the perspective of looking at this as a former lawmaker and as someone who's been in the executive branch Mm -hmm. as well. North Carolina has traditionally been a weak governor state, and the legislature has taken even more of that power Mm -hmm. away in recent years. Does the governor have enough power in North Carolina, or is it too legislatively oriented? Well, I don't want to answer your question in terms of power. Uh, Let's let's answer it as far as process and what needs to be done uh the governor still has responsibility for dhhs still has responsibility for the department of transportation still has which includes the dmv the board of elections cultural resources all these are cabinet level positions that report directly to the governor of north carolina so i'm not worried about that at all i'm worried about what's in the best interest of citizens and there's still lots and lots of opportunities even with crime and public safety uh, to make sure that our systems are running as they should and that we are focused on answering our telephones because once you answer your phone and you solve a problem you're solving it for possibly hundreds and thousands of other people and i learned this when i was reforming the unemployment system uh, a little over 10 years ago and reforming that system uh, taught me that if you answer your phones, it's unbelievable what you can accomplish, and that's the culture we'll create, a culture of conservatism, common sense, courtesy, humility, humanity, and ethics. 
I want to ask you about something one of your opponents uh, is doing. Mark Robinson campaigning on that transgender restroom uh, platform, again, very similar to HB2 that we saw here a few years ago. What's your response to that? Uh, My response is that uh, Mark Robinson is history's latest example of someone who's trying to rise to power by selling hate. Uh, And uh, I think it's also a distraction because of all the sunshine that's hitting Mark Robinson regarding uh, what he's doing with his donor money. Uh, the money's not accounted for, how he's currently fleecing the taxpayers. He got put into the budget this year for Highway Patrol for his detail only while he's the lieutenant governor. If that is not an example for your listeners of someone who has putting the mirror on themselves instead of the citizens and the taxpayers, I don't know what is. But I think, it's a, I think he's trying to distract people from the fact that he and his family business are taking millions of dollars in taxpayer money, and he is the most AWOL absent elected official of my lifetime. I put out a tweet the other day, hell froze over, because I saw him for the first time in his four-year term at a community college board meeting. He only has three responsibilities. So presiding over the Senate, he showed up 10% of the time last year. He finally showed up at a community college board meeting. We've hired two presidents, and he hasn't even been there. So I think what he's talking about is 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 to get people distracted girls should be in girls bathrooms only girls should be in girls sports only and he's bringing up something as a way of uh, gaslighting and trying to raise money off of of uh, off of further hate and we remember with the economic impact that that house bill two had on north carolina uh, something similar would have an economic impact on our state would it not yeah well let me say this if he had showed up for work more than 10 percent of the time he is the president of the Senate. If he has a problem with a piece of legislation not being strong enough or not being enforced, then he should learn how to pass legislation. He is the president of the Senate. So all he does is he's Ernest T. Bass, that fictional character on The Andy Griffith Show. Every problem is a window and every solution is a rock. And he sees a window and he picks up a rock and he throws it and he gets to giggle and go to the next one. I mean, that's exactly what... Anybody who's watching what's going on has observed, and that's why uh, the number of undecideds in this race continues to grow, and his support continues to go down. So I have to ask you this question. Uh, Should you not win the Republican nomination for governor, and we end up with a race between Mark Robinson and Attorney General Josh Stein in the fall, both of whom serve on the Council of State with you, would you support Mark Robinson as the Republican nominee? Well, I don't accept the premise of your question because that's not going to happen. Fair enough. I, I do want to ask one treasurer question since we do have you here. Okay. The, 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 all the weight loss drugs. We've heard a lot about the weight loss drugs mm-hmm. in North Carolina no longer being on state health plans. Can you help explain to our listeners why these medications are no longer going to be offered on the state health plan? Sure. My wife, Cynthia, uh, and let's thank all spouses of candidates and elected officials. Uh, By the way, at the Council of State meeting uh, last week, you asked that it be adjourned in her honor. I think she was attending with you last right. week. Well, it's actually Toby Keith, but they and they don't look anything alike. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I was gratified that that she was there. Uh, let me. She says, put things in context very quickly. The General Assembly appropriated a four percent bonus to a quarter of a million retirees last year. A quarter of a million. That was one hundred and seventy million dollars. This one weight loss drug, which I'm holding up in studio, 
is being prescribed to 22,000 people, less than 10% of a quarter of a million, and it's costing us $170 million. And so, you know, obesity is a serious issue. Five years ago, before anybody started talking about this, we eliminated the cost of insulin for our state employees because insulin adherence, that's a tough word for a stutterer, insulin adherence is very important. We're not questioning whether this weight loss drug Wagovi works. We're questioning what we pay for it. Uh, this could cost retail up to $1,600 in this state. In Denmark, the home country of this corporation, it costs $250. All we're asking is for this corporation to sell this drug to those that teach, protect, and serve for the same price as they charge people in their home country. Because if we had continued on the path we were going, the individual premium for state employees could have doubled because of one drug that 22,000 people are taking. There are 700,000 people on the state health plan. You, sir, of course, have served on the Council of State during your time as state treasurer. The Council of State is going to look very, very different next time because so many people are not running for re-election. You, the attorney general, the lieutenant governor, commissioner of labor, Mm -hmm. uh, we have a new state auditor. Are you concerned about uh, what's going to be a whole lot of people learning new jobs come next year? I'll tell your listeners that uh, my door, my mind, and my heart will be open to any new member of the Council of State who's interested in any experience I have. I'll be convening the Council of State as the next governor of North Carolina, and I'll tell you it's going to be totally different. It's going to be open. It's going to be transparent. When folks like you from the media want to know how people voted on the Council of State, it's going to be available immediately. And as I mentioned earlier, where I'm a Quaker, so we we have we talk in circles, and so we look people in the eye. There's going to be a lot of toothbrush meetings. A toothbrush meeting is when you bring your toothbrush because you don't know how long it's going to last. Uh, we're going to follow Robert's rules of order, and when, if God forbid we ever get into another pandemic, we're going to have open and honest long conversations with the Agriculture Commissioner to see how this is affecting food supply, with the Superintendent of Public Instruction to see how this is affecting public education, the Treasurer to see how it's going to affect finances, the Council of State is going to be run totally different when I am the governor of North Carolina and the chair of the Council of State, period. Mr. Fall, we'll let you go with this thought. Obviously, we are less than a month away from the primaries coming up in early March. Where can people go to learn more about your campaign as they make their decision on who they're going to vote for in the Republican primary? I'm asking for their prayers and their vote and their financial support, and they go to dalefallwell.com, and that's F-O-L-W-E-L-L, to learn more. And I would really like for them to go to the About Dale uh, section, including the Donate section. Uh, There's a letter there from my wife about what she thinks about spending the last 35 years with me. Uh, It's a fantastic letter. People can learn more about uh, me, and they can learn a lot about her, and she's going to be a fantastic first lady. And they can go to DaleFallwell.com and learn more. State Treasurer Dale Falwell, thank you so much for being in studio this morning. Well, I showed up for the job interview, and I'm the only one who did.